Hey everybody, this is Chris. Uh, welcome to episode 12 of Chris's on Infinite Earths here at the Chris and Reggie channel. You can find this program every other Wednesday at chrisandreggie.com, chrisandreggie.podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Anywhere you might want to hear noise is where you'll hear us. Now, uh, I'm sitting here thinking about how to start this episode because, uh, truth be told, this is like the fourth or fifth time I'm starting this one because uh, I'm really not sure how to outline it. I'm not sure how to approach it. Uh, the, uh, you know, some of these episodes are based very heavily in the story of a book and uh, others are uh, more a way of using a book to facilitate uh, a story, uh, a personal story, a uh, a peek behind the curtain, uh, if you will, because the book we're going to discuss today is Mother Panic Number 1 from uh, DC Comics' Young Animal imprint, uh, a book we've discussed a couple times already. We uh, There's, you know, we have the Young Animal Gatherum here at uh, chrisandreggie.com where uh, Reggie and I have discussed every single offering from the Young Animal pop-up imprint. Uh, about 30 hours of audio for you there. Uh, you can check that out at your leisure if you are so inclined. It's also a book that I've reviewed twice already. Uh, once for D uh, Weird Science DC Comics and then once uh, for my own personal blog. I did a retrial of this book just to see how it aged uh, and, and see what, the, what kind of qualities uh, the power of hindsight gave. Uh, insofar as receiving the first issue once again. But the book here is going to be secondary. And uh, like I mentioned a minute ago, it's this is more of a uh, peek behind the curtain because uh, the Mother Panic review on the Weird Science site, actually, it's a, ro it's a milestone for my own personal blog in a way. And uh, we'll get to that. It'll make sense. I... I I promise it's a it's it's a, a strange way that a book that I reviewed on a different site affected my own site and uh, you know I'm I'm not a provocateur I I like kind of staying under the radar I like uh, I like keeping things positive on the air but uh, this one uh, this episode uh, it's not not so much provocative uh, it's more personally uncomfortable for me and uh, in that. What happened after I reviewed this book over at Weird Science? Now, before we get into everything here, now Mother Panic was the anchor of the Young Animal line. It was the fourth book to be released out of the initial four offerings. And it was the one that we had the biggest question mark about because for the first time in a long time, we were getting a character who was brand new and, uh, more importantly, non-derivative you know, this wasn't just another speedster or just another person in a spider uniform or another person with super as their first name. This was a brand new character, and uh, that's not something we get very often uh, as comics fans anymore. Uh, I think the creators, they save their original characters because, uh, you know, the outside outside of comics is so lucrative now. And, uh, and rightly so, they don't want to lose their intellectual property. But Mother Panic somehow made it into the DC universe. And uh, it was something that was pretty intriguing to uh, Reggie and myself. And we, uh, I, was, I was picked to, uh, to review it. Uh, Reggie was doing Doom Patrol and Cave Carson. And I was doing Shade the Changing Girl and, of course, Mother Panic. And, uh, you know, Mother Panic is uh, it's a, a woman named Violet Page who uh, 
is a celebutant or a dilettante, uh, basically someone who's famous for being famous. And uh, she's unlikable, <laughs> at least at first. She doesn't come off as uh, terribly heroic. She doesn't come off as terribly altruistic. Uh, she's standoffish. She keeps us, as the readership, she keeps us at arm's length, which initially I hated, but upon reflection, I find it very clever storytelling. Um, I actually find, you know, all things being equal, if these things didn't cost $4 a piece, uh, I think it was very well done. Um, but we'll get into that deeper as we go along here. Now, you know, I uh, I reviewed this, like I said, for Weird Science, and uh, we also covered it on the Weird Science podcast, which is now part of our Young Animal Gatherer, those segments anyway. And uh, and I'm looking here, and I, I when I think back to this first arc, I think about how much I disliked it, but uh, that's really not reflected in my reviews. And also, it's not reflected in the Young Animal uh, segment, uh, the podcast segment. It's uh, more of a uh, middling, maybe an underwhelming, or let's say let's say disappointing in a way uh, where I, we didn't necessarily hate it, but we also didn't really like it either. It was just kind of a book that was trying to get its footing. Um, I, I, I reframed it, and, and I surprised myself. You ever read something that you wrote and you forget that you wrote it, and, and like you're either really impressed with it or you think it's just trash? <laughs> And then you realize, oops, I wrote that. Uh, I was looking at my review for Mother Panic number two, and uh, I kind of framed Violet Page as a uh, consequentialist. And that's a way that I was able to not so much identify with her, but at least empathize with the character a little bit. Um, now, the first, uh, let's go through the first arc here before we get into the, you know, the hard synopsis uh, from the site. But uh, the first arc here is Violet Page returning to Gotham City, and uh, we get bits and bits and bobs about her childhood, her her upbringing, her parents, and uh, there's an introduction of a fellow who might have something to do with her parents, and uh, the first arc is basically just her reestablishing herself in in Gotham uh, on two fronts, uh, as as Violet the the dilettante and as Mother Panic the white-clad vigilante who is not part of the Bat family, which is a, you know, a, a unique thing to, uh, to Gotham City vigilantes. But uh, in the second issue, uh, I, I kind of framed her as a consequentialist, which is to say that uh, the morals, the morality of her actions, it's not predicated in the behavior and action, it's only defined by the result. So very means to an end, which... I think is uh, something that Violet Page was, is, uh, very means to an end, the ends justify the means, and uh, the morality is based in the result alone. You could you could be underhanded and you could do whatever you need to do so long as the consequence could be framed as uh, morally sound, I suppose, or ethically uh, sound. Um, and that kind of made me come around to the character a little bit. I still didn't like her, though, which... You know, I don't think we were supposed to. <laughs> of course we weren't supposed to. Um, and it was very uh, very clever the way that this character was uh, was built up. But uh, I, I, want to, uh, I want to definitely touch on the scores I gave. Uh, I gave these first three issues because the second half of this story, uh, the, the 
the part that relates to Chris's on Infinite Earths, I think is based on these review scores. Now, I gave the first issue a 6.5 out of 10. Now, you might hear that number and think, wow, that's low. But I, I disagree. Um, you see, we're in a world now where we've got sensationalized reviewing, where uh, I don't think... I think reviews are more written for the creators now than they are for the readers. To me, a review is something that... It's, if I'm writing a review, I'm trying to inform someone whether or not that's, that a book is worth their time. And I'm not doing it so some, some comics pro will retweet me. I'm not doing it so some comics pro will pat me on the head and, and say, good dog. You know, that's not how I do it. I, I want to inform. I want to give, I want to be honest about my opinion. And, uh, and I thought a 6.5 was fair for the first issue. Uh, I generally start around a seven. You know, I, that's where I come into a to a review. I started around seven, then I work my way up or down uh, as I as I feel fit. And to me, I think ninety percent of all comics that come out, uh, probably ninety percent of all media and entertainment in general that comes out, kind of falls between a six and an eight out of ten. If you have to use number scores. 6 to 8, maybe 6.5 to 8.5 is where 90% of all entertainment lies. Because that's the average. And average, the word average used to mean something. <laughs> and uh, I found this book to be very average. Um, because we didn't get so much, uh, we really didn't get enough to justify a $4 purchase, in my opinion. Um but there was still stuff to like in the book, uh, if you were of the uh, of the intended audience. Um, and, and we're going to get more into that as we go along as well. Now, the second issue, when I started to frame Violet as a consequentialist, I, I, I nudged the score up very, very slightly. I gave it a 6.6, .6, which does show an improvement. Not a huge improvement, but an improvement. And then when we wrapped up the arc with issue 3, I gave that one a 7 out of 10, which is to me, you know, it's it's white bread, it's vanilla. It's just it's a book you could check out. It's it's not a book that's going to rock your socks and it's also not a book that's going to set your socks on fire, you know. You're going to you're going to be okay with this book. A 7 is a to me a solid score. This is uh this is just, you know, the Chris method of reviewing where an average book doesn't get a 10 out of 10. You know, no matter how active the creator is on social media, an average book is not going to get a 10 out of 10 from me. Uh, and that's not just me being like a hard ass about how I review. I just, I just believe that I should be honest with my scores. And, and, I, and I don't want to assume that other people aren't. You know, we're going to get into, into that a little bit later as well. But to me, I think, uh, I, I think we've kind of... Uh, I think we've kind of poisoned the well with uh, 10 out of 10 reviews. And uh, we'll, we'll get into that on the other end, too. But uh, let's, for now, let's put a pin in that and uh, we'll discuss, uh, we'll give the synopsis right now of Mother Panic number one here. And uh, we'll do so right after the horns. Okay, Mother Panic number one, January 2017 cover date. Stories called A Work in Progress, part one. It's by Jody Hauser. Tommy Lee Edwards, John Workman, and it's edited by Molly Mahan, with special thanks to Shelley Bond, 
Uh, Young Animal is curated, of course, by Gerard Way. Uh, there is a backup with this issue as well. There's a Gotham Radio backup story, but we're not going to discuss that here. It's only it's only a couple pages, and uh, and I'm not going to go too deep into that story anyway. So we're just gonna we're just gonna leave that one where it where it lie. But uh, let's get into our synopsis here. Now we open with Violet Page returning to Gotham City after being away for some major surgery. She's with her uh, doctor. Doctor Varma is in the in the private jet with her. Now, upon arrival, she is greeted by her waiting public. You see, uh, as we mentioned before, she is a dilettante or a celebutante, you know, famous for being famous. And as mentioned, she's also kind of a jerk. Now, we flash back at this point to when Violet was a child. She's about to go on a hunting trip with her father, and it's uh, at here it's made plainly clear that her mother is not quite in her right mind, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go along. We shift scenes to an older man taking his bodyguard to a storage facility of sorts in order to show him a piece of artwork that he'd commissioned. Now, the bodyguard, it's a fellow named Dom, he finds this piece uh, interesting. He's not quite sure what to make of it, but, uh, but does tell uh, his boss that the piece is, in fact, interesting. We jump back to Violet, and she's about to head to some sort of a high society party. Uh, as she enters the building, she flashes back to that hunting trip that she had taken with her father as a young girl. Now, she and her father are accompanied by another man who just so happens to be that older fellow who commissioned the interesting piece of art in the last scene. Back to the present, we got Violet at the bar. She's approached by a reporter who wants to ask some questions about the mysterious death of her father some 15 years earlier. She uh, politely tells him to back off, and, and by politely, she, she says the F word a, a whole heck of a lot. Now, it's made pretty clear that uh, she is at this party in order to find the fellow who commissioned the art. Now, we're going to call him Hemsley, primarily because that's his name. Hemsley, at the same time, is looking for Dom, the bodyguard. He calls some other bodyguard types to uh, fetch a Dom, because, as they put it, Dom witnessed something that he wasn't quite ready to witness. They find him, and they proceed to beat the hell out of him. Until Mother Panic swoops in and takes out all of Hemsley's men. There's a... It, it, during these couple of pages here, there's this weird mess of symbolism between her blows. It's a... Like a, like a worm coming out of an apple and like a skull with a candle on it. It's, it's kind of, in my opinion, a little too cute by half. Uh, it's... To me, symbolism is something that uh, you really don't you don't point a neon arrow at. Uh, that's just me. Um, now, when the dust settles, she grabs Dom and she she spirits him away, and uh, she does so just as another Gotham Crusader arrives on the scene. Uh, you might have heard of him; he's got pointy ears. Uh, she takes Dom to her compound, and we learn that uh, while Violet's father is dead, her mother yet lives. And and if it isn't already plainly clear, Violet is Mother Panic. Um, now her mother, while alive, is kind of a uh, she's quite mad. Uh, she she lives in like a uh, like an atrium of this compound where there's lush greenery and a gazebo, and uh, she's singing and, and she's she's kind of uh, she's kind of an adult. Uh, now we shift back to Hemsley, who is frantically seeking the artist from whom he'd commissioned that interesting work claiming that it could get her caught. Now, he's allowed to pass through this pore, like a hole, and he hops into this white room full of other pores, and uh, 
it kind of makes you itch when you look at it. Even though it's quite scratchy and cartoony, I, the idea of just a room full of pores just makes me kind of skeeve out. Um, now, I'm not sure if this is supposed to be like a separate plane of reality, and even with the benefit of hindsight, I'm not sure uh, where, how and where this area is here. Anyway, this is where we and he uh, meets Gala, the blood painter, and it's a woman who paints with blood. She creates art with blood and, and human innards and stuff like that. We hop back to the compound where Mother Panic has Dom chained to a toilet so she can question him a bit about Hemsley, and he doesn't seem to be terribly useful at this point. And uh, we close out this issue with uh, a vision of a large burning home. And uh, later on we'll learn that that's Gather House, where Violet was uh, thrown and uh, programmed to uh, do what she does. And uh, that is Mother Panic number one. So yeah, that was Mother Panic number one. Um, upon retrial and re-retrial, uh, it's, you know, the nuts and bolts are there. It's a, uh, it's a solid story. It's a story that I've grown to appreciate. Uh, it's not my favorite. Um, I, I probably won't reread this part of the story again. I, I like the second half a lot better than the first. But uh, it's solid. It's solid. It does tell a story. It's a... Uh, and when we're, t- when we're dealing with the young animal books here, uh, perhaps with the exception of Doom Patrol, there was a lot of psychedelia, and, and there was psychedelia in Doom Patrol as well. Uh, but... This is a more um, traditionally structured story. Uh, you know, symbolism excluded. This really just told a linear story. And, uh, you know, you had your flashbacks, but you knew they were flashbacks, where in some of the other books, and some other books in general, you might have two storylines concurrently being told and not realize that one is 15 years in the past until someone plainly tells you, oh, that, well, that was in the past. Mother Panic is different. Nuts and bolts. They're all there. It's a solid story. It's a decent story. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, I, it's the only young animal book since the folding of the imprint or the alleged folding of the imprint. There's always the rumors that it's going to come back. But, uh, Mother Panic is the only book from that line that I actually miss. Um, you know, uh, Shade the Changing Girl became Shade the Changing Woman and, uh, it kind of took a turn at that point. Doom Patrol. Well, when Doom Patrol decided to come out, it was usually an exercise in in frustration. And Cave Carson, while solid, um, always just seemed to be kind of there, you know? It was just a a fun romp of a book. Even when I I was re-listening to our segments in order to compile the Young Animal Gatherum, the uh, Cave Carson segments were always the, the driest. Uh, because there really wasn't anything to get hot at, and there really wasn't anything to get all that excited about. There was just the solid book week in a month in and month out, which doesn't make for terribly interesting conversation uh, when it comes down to, yeah, we liked it, it's just more of the same, you know? But uh, now why, oh why, are we discussing this book? And what does this Mother Panic book have to do with anything uh, pertaining to Chris's on InfiniteEarth.com? Well... If you've ever tried to leave me a comment on the blog, which not very many people have done, it's a, it's a, let's, let's, let's take a step back here. Now, one of the things that most excited me about starting the blog was the potential to have, uh, 
to get comments, to have uh, engagement, to have folks read what I write and want to discuss it and leave me comments and have some nice chats, you know. Uh, I, I think about blogs I used to visit going back, you know, 10, 15 years at this point where I thought it was just the coolest thing in the world where, you know, someone would write something and within a few days there'd be, you know, three or four comments uh, where, you know, discussion is being had. And some of it was agreement, some of it was argumentative, but it, it was cool. Just uh, just the idea that it, it meant someone was paying attention. And uh, I thought that was a really cool thing. And I was hoping that uh, that I would experience that with my blog, you know. Uh, not taking into account that times have changed over the past, you know, decade, decade and a half, where now uh, what little engagement I do get is uh, mostly from uh, avenues of social media, you know. I'll get comments on Twitter or Facebook and stuff like that, but um, very seldom do I get comments on the blog. And, uh, <laughs> you know, blogger is, uh, is a lot of things. Uh, I've mentioned it could be, you know, it's easy to use, but it's frustrating at the same time. And uh, I've heard stories from folks who have tried to leave me comments or who, or who actually have left me comments. And I hear that it's either the easiest thing in the world or just the most painstakingly difficult where uh, parts of the commenter are eaten. You know, you lose it. Uh, you might lose the, th- the whole thing altogether or you could uh, spend time writing a post and it'll like log you out. You know, or or it'll ask you for like credentials for your email. It just it, it could be a real real pain, and uh, the kind of pain that I wouldn't expect anybody to uh, to power through just to leave me a comment. But uh, if you have tried to leave me co- a comment in the past, say, few years, um, you get a a note that that says that the comment needs to be moderated. And uh, that's something I didn't want to have to do on the blog because, like I said, it's hard enough to get engagement. And I didn't want to, I really didn't want to make, put another, an extra step in there. You know, I, I feel like with social media being so living and breathing, um, uh, blogs are, are kind of on the cusp of, you know, Web 1.0. And uh, when you leave a comment and it doesn't automatically go through and it just goes to somebody's email for uh, to await moderation, I feel like you lose a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, I don't know, uh, the instant gratification that your that your comment is there and that somebody might see it, and it wasn't gonna be that way. I that's one thing I didn't want to deal with was moderation because, and not because it's a pain for me because it's just me clicking a button, uh, just saying yes, go you know approve it. It's more that I. I, I don't want to hinder engagement. I don't want to put another barrier between me and a a reader. And I had to change that a couple of years ago. And this book is uh, the reason why. Um, now, you see, I reviewed this on Weird Science. And I didn't get any comments at weirdscience.com, uh, weirdsciencedccomics.com. But uh, one morning, I woke up. And I saw that I had like a half dozen comments on my blog, you know, it was just, I was in my email, it was saying, you know, new comment on this and this and this. And it was several new posts uh, over the last like week, week and a half, I was getting, I was getting a comment or two. And I was just so excited. I was just, you know, I sprung out of bed and I was just, 
I thought maybe, you know, okay, maybe maybe the site has finally been found by Google, you know, <laughs> and uh, people have finally seen my stuff and, and, and this is the way it's going to be from now on. I'm going to wake up and there's going to be a half dozen comments every single day. It's not that way, by the way. I, I'm lucky to get like two or three comments a month, but I thought this is the coolest thing. I rush downstairs and I, I flip open the laptop and I check these things out and whew, these were some of the angriest, meanest, curse-filled comments that I'd seen. And uh, they weren't pertaining to the books that the posts were about. They were all about my Mother Panic review. And I can't remember if it was Mother Panic 1 or 2 that's, that, that really uh, brought these comments in. It was one or the other. But uh, they were very angry. These were very, very angry comments and uh they really uh they called me out but not not really in a constructive way now there's a thing there's a phenomenon that we all kind of fall into and and i did it earlier in this episode uh and and it'll become clear as to why there's a thing called appeal to motive it's something we all fall into in 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 hobbies in life in profession in private it's where you you really don't think about what someone does. You think about the motive behind it. You know, I, I fall into that trap. Like, like earlier when I was talking about 10 out of 10 reviews, I fell into that trap right there by assuming that there was motive behind the action. And, you know, in comics, because, you know, comics are, are not an important part of life. You know, <laughs> comics are, are a diversion. But since this is a comic-based show, that's what we're going to discuss. You know, when when things like, you know, the new 52 happen or when a relaunch happens or when a character, when it's a new person under a costume from Marvel or DC, instead of just looking at it at the, at the face of it, I think a lot of us struggle and we go, yeah, well, I know why they did that, which it's not productive. <laughs> it doesn't help anybody because whether we're right or wrong, uh, the companies are never going to admit it. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's... It is what it is. But uh, Appeal to Motive was the basis for these angry comments. Because you see, and this is where it might get a little provocative, um, I was being called out for disliking a book only because it was written by a woman and because it starred a female lead, had a female lead. That's what the, uh, that's basically what the gist of these comments were. And, and, you know, it's it's funny, because looking back, back at it now, it was like maybe seven or eight comments, and I'm sure they were all from the same person, the same angry person who was just trying to ruin my day. But when you wake up and you see a bunch of different comments, it's like you think you're getting, especially, you know, angry comments, you think you're being dogpiled by seven or eight different people. <laughs> you, know, you know, time kind of fixes that for you, and you realize how silly it is to consider that. That, you know, somebody, you know, eight people organized to uh, <laughs> express their uh, distaste for what you do. But uh, I'm thinking this was just one very uh, angry person. But, uh, you know, I went to work that day and just really couldn't get it out of my mind. You know, I'm just wondering if, if you and I, uh, you know, the figurative you and I ever have a difference of opinion. And it gets to the point where we have a heated argument. 
rest assured that I am doubting my stance, no matter how strongly I feel about it, I'm doubting my stance more than I'm doubting yours, because I always think I'm wrong. I don't know if it's Catholic guilt, I don't know if it's my upbringing, I don't know what what it is, but I I always feel like I'm in the wrong when I'm, uh, when I take a position. And so the whole day, I'm just thinking like, what did I do wrong? How did I, how did I mess this up? And I'm, I'm worried that like the next day would bring another, you know, half dozen people or, you know, comments. But to me, it was, (laughs) each one was a person, but, uh, I'm just wondering, you know, what I did wrong. How can I fix this? How can I dig myself out of this? And, uh, and my, the day was just shot. I, I got home and I actually copied the, uh, the posts into a, uh, into a notepad, you know, document thingy, because I, I intended to uh, to respond line by line. You know, I was thinking so hard about this, and, and and it's so silly and it's embarrassing to consider that I was taking this so seriously. But I was actually going to respond to these line by line, and uh, and as I was reading through them, and and they were they were curse filled, so I didn't like having them on the site to begin with because I like. I like having an all-ages vibe, and I don't want someone stumbling across a, a page on my site that's full of, full of curse words. But, uh, which, you know, <laughs> is fitting with the Mother Panic book. But I, I was just, I was just really, really bummed out, and I was really questioning myself. And I really came close to just shutting everything down. Um, I, I like to think I'm kind of okay with confrontation, but... This just felt like a dog pile, especially when I when I got it, had it in my head that there were just a group of people really angry at me, and uh, that's not what I want the blog to be. Like I said, I'm not a provocateur. I I don't purposely read books I don't like. I you know I'm not you know I'm not an angry reviewer. I'm not a I'm not an angry Nintendo nerd or whatever. I'm not. That's not what I do. Um, actually, part of uh, <laughs> The funny thing about this is early on, the criticism my site got, and there are there are a few comments up on the site that that show this. I I was basically called out for being a DC homer. I was too positive on everything, and and my only response to that was that, you know, Chris's on Infinite Earths is a DC Comics blog where I could read and discuss any DC comic in the eighty odd years of publication and. Why am I going to read something that I that I don't like, right? You know, there's just so many books that I that I love. There's so many uh, new discoveries to be had. Why am I going to read something I, I purposely dis? Why am I going to purposely read something that I dislike? Um, now that isn't to say that there aren't negative reviews on there. I mean, I did Millennium, I did Superman Grounded, I, I did a lot of books that that I didn't didn't dig, but that's not what the site's all about. You know, the site is about sharing. It's about sharing, and uh, without getting too uh, precious, it's about celebrating uh, the stories that I like and I want people to know more about. And uh, just a few months later, being called out for being so negative. And and the weird thing is, like, these were all anonymous, and uh, there were no comments on the Weird Science uh, uh, posts, which... uh, and the the posts that they were commenting on on my site had nothing to do with Mother Panic. So it was just a a person coming to try to ruin my day. But, uh, I you know, I was going line by line in these comments, and uh, I was responding. 
And, you know, uh, the thing of it was, is I was referring back to my review when I was responding. And then I was referring back to the segment on the podcast while I was responding, which, you know, you have that moment of profundity and I'm sitting there and I'm like, why am I repeating myself when I realized that this person only looked at the score? You know, they only looked at the 6.5. They didn't read a line of the review. Otherwise, they would have seen that that uh, that I and and then Reggie and I uh, on the on the ra- on the podcast were uh, very sensitive to the uh, to the possibility or the potentiality that this book does have an audience and just unfortunately we at this time were not part of it. You know, we were very sensitive to that fact because we don't want to dismiss or. Uh, we we don't want to put anybody out. We not that's not what we're about. And uh, and I'm sitting there and I'm typing these responses out and and it's so silly because I I was actually getting into like bits of my personal life to justify and to uh, and just to to state my claim and and I'm thinking like what am I doing, you know? Because like I remember the whole thing about it being my problem with uh, it being a woman writer. And, I, and I'm sitting there like, this is ridiculous, because, you know, I, if I credit Wendy Peeney with getting me into comics fandom. If not for Wendy Peeney, you wouldn't be hearing my voice right now. I, I could say that with 95% certainty, that, uh, that I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have several rooms in my house, you know, floor to ceiling with comic books. It's, uh, it's because of a woman that I, came into the industry and the fandom. So, and, and, you know, I'm putting this into these replies and I'm thinking, how silly is this? You know, because at the end of the day, this person who's commenting over and over again, they're not here for a dialogue. You know, they're not here. They're not here to, to listen to the Chris trial. You know, they're here just to ruin my day. They're here to, uh, they're here just to, to call me out for a score that they find to be too low. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at the uh, comic book roundup page for Mother Panic, and there are a slew of 10 out of 10 reviews. And, you know, uh, I think in my 30-plus years of reading comics, I might have read definitely under 10 books that I would say were a 10 out of 10. Uh, you know, my 10 out of 10 shelf is sparse, as it should be, because, you know, you get the argument that 10 out of 10 doesn't mean perfect, but at the same time, there's an implication that it means it can't be any better than this. You know, you can't, there are no 11 out of 10s. So, you know, is it perfect or isn't it perfect? It's, I guess that's subjective to uh, how, you know, everybody's uh, reviewing methodology. But I, I would not give just a random issue of Mother Panic, a 10 out of 10. It would have to be something really special, you know. Uh, But my review is not even the lowest. I mean, there's a 4 out of 10 there. Uh, Mine is the third from the bottom. So I don't know how or why they picked mine. And I'm I'm making, and I am jumping to a conclusion here that that's what happened. You know, they might have just been a reader of Weird Science who decided to to follow my link back to my site because, you know, I use my name on everything, so I'm not that hard to find. And uh, I just don't know. But it was because of these comments 
that I, I started to moderate uh, because I didn't want I didn't want the possibility of uh, somebody stumbling or googling upon my site. Uh, you know, a, a young person, you know, someone, a young teenager or an, a grown adult, and just seeing all that negativity and all that uh, all that cursing. <laughs> you know, and also I don't like because when you're when when it's just me against a half dozen or eight or nine comments, it kind of puts me in a weird defensive position. You know, if you've ever been in a fight and you get punched in the face, you know, you, you, you tuck, you tuck your chin, you pull back. And instinctively I was doing that. And then, you, you know, you try to, you try to fight your way up, which is what I was doing when I was trying to respond to these comments until I realized that that was futile. And, uh, at the end of the day there, I just, I didn't like the implications that that I was going to be swayed by some sort of a weird bias that you couldn't even. I mean, these people, this person didn't doesn't know me, you know, and that's that's part of uh, the lesson here, I guess, if we can say, when you do when you fall prey to the appeal to motive, you're making assumptions about someone you never met, or maybe you've met, but you you don't know you, you're never going to get into somebody's head completely. You know, you could think that they're doing something for a certain reason. You know, I think in those comments was the first time I, I heard the term gatekeeper because I was referred to as a gatekeeper. Certainly the first time I've been referred to as a gatekeeper because I I couldn't tell you where the gates of comicdom are. <laughs> I'm too busy in the back issue bins messing around. You know, I don't know who's coming in. I don't know why they're coming in. It's not my problem. It's really, at the end of the day, not every comic needs to be for everybody, and I'm a firm believer of that. And while Mother Panic, uh, getting back to our point here, it did grow on me and became the only book of the Young Animal line I really looked forward to, at first I wasn't a big fan of it. And you know what? There ain't nothing wrong with that. And at the end of the day, I didn't do anything wrong by reviewing it the way I did. I, was, I thought I was uh, fair with my review because... It was honest, and I think when you're honest, and there was no bias, there really was no bias, um, and there is the, <laughs> this is something I really was uh, hedging on discussing, but the implication that I would mark down a book primarily on the fact that it's written by a woman, there that, that comes with a... Uh, I'm using the word implication an awful lot here, but it does. It comes with an implication that the only possible way that I would dislike a book written by a woman is if I inherently had a problem with women, which holds them to a different standard than a male writer. And uh, I think that's a great disservice to all the women writers out there, women creators, I should say. I mean, some, some, some female writers and artists are my, are my very favorites right now. And uh, the implication that they should be graded differently than than their male counterparts. It's funny because, you know, I'm being called out for being, uh, you know, shallow minded. But the idea that you need to you need to grade people differently is uh, is the very definition uh, to me of uh, superficial and, and shallow minded. And uh, I, I lost my train of thought there, didn't I? <laughs> Point is. This book that I didn't even review on my site at first is a milestone in uh, the history and the journey of Chris's on Infinite Earths.com in that it 
led me to pull the trigger on comment moderation. It's a wildly interesting story, isn't it? <laughs> but it's just one of those things that I, I think of when I think about the where the where the site started and where where it uh, where it grew to become and, and and like it's you know it's it went from small potatoes to uh, you know still small potatoes so it's it's not a not a big thing um you know i think that's probably all i got to say about this uh, i hope i, I didn't uh, alienate anybody what uh, certainly wasn't my intention um if you've ever had a, a blog and have dealt with folks who anonymously or a folk <laughs> that anonymously tries to rattle your cage. Definitely, let me know what your um, what your experience was with that. It's it's I think it's uh, it's interesting in in a way. Now uh, it's funny. I'm we're moving on to a new segment here that I'm going to float out to see if it's if it's worth doing. And considering that this episode was based on my initial hot take of Mother Panic, we're going to be discussing. Reader's hot take on Action Comics Weekly. Now, if you're following the blog and my Action Comics Daily feature, you'll see, you'll know that I'm going doing a deep dive on every story in Action Comics Weekly every single day. And early on in the run, uh, there were letters pages because DC sent out uh, photostats of Action Comics Weekly number six hundred one. That's the first issue to uh, some of their more prolific letter hacks and just getting their hot take on uh, the situation and uh, what they thought about the new look of Action Comics and their excitement and their uh, trepidation and all that good stuff. And I thought it would be fun to read through and analyze the uh, the first letters page from the folks who did get the photostat copies just to see where their heads were at. Um, that's something that tickles me. I'm not sure it'll tickle anybody else, which is why I'm just, you know, dumping it at the end of this episode here. If, if you are, if you're done, if you're, well, if you're still listening thus far, I thank you so, so much. Uh, this has been, might've been a little bit of a chore to listen to, but, uh, if you are interested in Action Comics Weekly and if you are following Action Comics Daily, you'll probably dig this, uh, this next, uh, the next half of the show. If not, you know, feel free to just shut her down. That's fine by me. I I appreciate if you if you listen for five seconds, five minutes, the whole thing. I I appreciate you all the same. Um, with that said, we're gonna hop over to the horns and then we will jump into the uh, the potential new segment. Thanks. Okay, now we're gonna wrap up with something just a little bit different. Uh, Something I've been wanting to try out here for a little while and uh, just never pulled the trigger till now. It's uh, one of the things I really enjoy about uh, comics fandom is uh, I, I like I like people's initial reactions to things like uh, news and events that uh, pertain to our beloved hobby. And uh, I, I like getting people's hot takes. I uh, One of my early projects... When I started blogging um, a couple of years ago, was uh, I did an I did a piece for DC in the '80s where I would uh, look at old Usenet posts uh, from you know the early to mid '80s, where I would uh, basically get people's hot takes from uh, big events in in comics history. You know, Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, Alan Moore taking over Swamp Thing, John Byrne's Man of Steel. Just seeing what people thought of those. You know, uh, 
historical moments in uh, in the comics past, and it's a uh, it's it's always just intrigued me, and uh, I, I I love seeing stuff like that, and and I was trying to think of a way to bring that to the air, and uh, I thought about doing uh, a whole other side show where I you know take a look at uh, hot takes and just evaluate and analyze what people thought when certain things were announced. Uh, but I, I, I fear that <laughs> flooding the uh, Cosmic Treadmill feed might uh, not be in our best interest here. Uh, first of all, you know, I'm not sure, I'm not sure anybody would really care to hear it uh, besides me. Uh, uh, basically, uh, Reggie and my uh, mission statement when we started this is that we wanted to put on a show that we would listen to. Uh, we wanted to do the show that we would want to hear. And uh, these hot takes are something that I would like to hear. Uh, now, if you're... If you're following along on the blog, uh, we've moved into Action Comics Daily, where uh, I'm looking at a different chapter from Action Comics Weekly every single day. And then once a week, we're uh, putting them all together and uh, taking a little poll on the site to see what people's favorites are. And I just feel like it's it's a it's a fun little uh, fun little blip in comics history that doesn't get as much uh, play, as much publicity as uh, maybe it should. Or, you know, maybe uh, when we get through this, we'll find out that it uh, it was rightly forgotten, or rightly mostly forgotten. But uh, with uh, starting this little hot takes segment here, I wanted to take a look at the letters page in Action Comics Weekly number 605. Now, in this issue, uh, there are letters from uh, folks who have read not, not just the first issue of Action Comics Weekly, you know, 601, this is uh, people who read the photo stats of uh, Action Comics Weekly 601. This is uh, this is like a, a letter hacks who uh, a prolific letter hacks who have uh, gained the trust of DC Editorial enough to where they would be sent actual physical photo stats of the issue before it even uh, comes out. I, I, I want to repeat here, I, I don't know that everyone would really care to hear this, and uh, I promise you I'm not hiding any content on the other end of this besides our contact information. So if you're not following Action Comics Weekly, if you have no interest in hearing me analyze letters a letters column, uh, it won't hurt my feelings if you, <laughs> if you shut it off now. Um, if you do stick around, and if you are following uh, the Action Comics Daily coverage, over on the blog, I think you might get something out of this. I think it's uh, it's interesting to uh, to get these these hot takes, these initial reactions to this change in one of the longest running comics in history at this point. So we're going to open up here with a note from editor Mike Gold. Now he says, as I type these words, Action Comics Weekly number six hundred and one is three weeks away from your hands, but as is our custom. We sent a number of lucky DC Letter Column contributors in advance black and white preview edition. We'll be featuring their comments in this column and in this space two weeks hence. Of course, Brian Augustine's DC Focus column runs in this space on alternate weeks. Our first letter comes from a J. Uh, now he says, Dear Mr. Gold, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for sending me a week preview copy of Action Comics Weekly. I've really enjoyed it and feel honored that I received a copy. As far as the actual Action Comics Weekly itself, I think it's an excellent idea, and you can count on my full support on the project. I, for one, have always enjoyed reading anthology-type comics, and one on a weekly basis really catches my attention. 
I suppose it's those two things that I think will make Action Comics Weekly great. It obviously will become great. The anthology portion allows readers to see something new, and the weekly part keeps us from getting too impatient while we're waiting for the next issue. I haven't seen many comics in a weekly format, although those I have seen have been good. That's one reason why I'm, so, I'm not too surprised to see DC has launched a weekly title before many other companies. Most other companies that have started weekly comics didn't stick with it. The same goes for anthology mags. Countless anthologies have been abandoned. Action Comics Weekly, I'm sure, won't be one of those. Well, Jay, I got a little bit of <laughs> bad news for you. Um, he continues and says, I've said my bit, thrown my hat in the ring, tossed in my two cents, so I hope this will give you a little indication of the reception that I believe Action Comics Weekly will receive. Thank you again for including me in this, and good luck. So Jay seems very excited about this, and, uh, you know, I really wish I was around at the time to uh, to either share in his excitement or maybe in the uh, trepidation <laughs> of another uh, letters read, a letter, uh, letter hack we might get to in a little bit. But uh, he seems very excited about it. Um, I'm not sure if that excitement is more predicated in the fact that he received a preview copy, but uh, he seems happy with it. Uh, he doesn't really go into specifics about the the actual stories within, but uh, we will get to that very soon here. We're gonna we'll go to a letter by a Lewis. Now Lewis says, "Dear Mr. Gold, words cannot begin to express the enthusiasm and gratitude I'm feeling right now as I read this very special Action Comics Weekly preview. That's right, I'm actually writing as I read." But don't worry, even though I got a free sneak peek, I still intend to buy the first issue to see the finished product. Ever since I first heard about this new project, I was excited. To think, a weekly comic with six different features. Now that's something to look forward to. As I look over page after page of brand new artwork and storylines, I can tell that this is going to be something big. Keep up this kind of creativity and you guys can't miss. Trust me. My personal favorites so far are Wild Dog and Secret Six, but it's nice to see guys like Blackhawk and Deadman also getting a chance in the spotlight. As for Green Lantern and Superman, well, they're legends already, but it is great to see them both in the same book for a change. Well, I guess I'm starting to get a little long-winded, but I just had to let you know how grateful I am for receiving this very special gift. Keep up the good work, guys. You've definitely got one fan for life. Thank you very much very much i mean it so lewis really digs wild dog and secret six and uh those were uh well i i liked wild dog uh well enough in the first issue uh secret six found it a little bit confusing um i i I'm, i have really very little familiarity with those characters so uh i was a little bit lost when we uh when we met them or <laughs> when we sort of met them because we didn't uh we didn't really meet them until the following chapter, but uh, Lewis is happy. He's pleased. He's uh, he's uh, very excited about what's to come. Now let's go to a Jody. Jody Hamby. He writes in and says, or or she writes in and says, "Dear DC, first let me thank you for including me in the pre- in the previewing of Action Comics Weekly. The overall look of this book is quite good. The stories, for the most part, are well written." <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, The art, even though, even if the photocopy is in black and white, is concise, clear, and pleasant to the eye. And the lettering is excellent thus far. Wow, we're bringing the lettering in. How about that? 
The really weak parts concern the Wild Dog and Secret Six characters. So, uh, Jody disagrees with Lewis. Uh, <laughs> his two favorites are Jody's uh, least favorites. Uh, Jody continues and says, Hopefully Nightwing and Black Canary will be presented better. If the Wild Dog and Secret Six features do not improve quickly, I would favor dropping them from the book. Of course, I know that this is just a sample of what's to come. On the opposite hand, Green Lantern, Dead Man, and Blackhawk looked very good. Feels good to see Hal Jordan winging it alone. Let's face it, eight, Earth, eight Green Lanterns on Earth was overkill. Dan Jurgens turned in some really nice work on Dead Man, and, and Gil Kane, well, nothing needs to be said about one of comics' greats. Well, I agree. Dan Jurgens' work on uh, Dead Man is probably the highlight of that series so far for me. Um, Dead Man is not a character I... Uh, I really consider to be terribly interesting, and uh, the Jurgens artwork is is definitely the bright part of of that feature. Um, I, I think it's interesting here that Jody mentions uh, Nightwing and Black Canary, uh, who are, will be getting features well into the uh, into the run. Um, one of the things I I'm a big collector of ephemera of old news. Uh, you know, Amazing Heroes, Wizard Magazines, anything I can get my hands on that really informs what's going on uh, in the world of comics. And I don't have anything uh, around the time of the Action Comics Weekly announcement, unfortunately, so I don't know just how how much information the public got. Uh, clearly, they knew that you know characters like Nightwing and Black Canary would be getting their own features, and uh, I, I wonder just how much information they got. I wonder how much information they got that actually didn't come to pass. Like, uh, for all I know, they could have been, you know, there could have been a, a John Constantine uh, feature that was pitched but never happened. Or, or there could be, you know, something that wasn't announced there. If they announced everything and left something out, but we still got it anyway. I, I'd be very interested in seeing something like that to see just how, uh, how planned out. This uh, this launch was, and uh, because there there is a little bit of uh, of juggling of uh, plotline stories, creators early on that I'm sure we're going to discuss at some point later on. But uh, I do wonder just uh, how how thought out this was not not how thought out, but how uh, how much deviation there might have been in the original uh, the original plan for uh, Action Comics Weekly and and what we actually received. At the uh, end of the day. Uh, back to Jody's letter. They say, I really believe you guys have yet another winner on your hands. As with the other great titles already published by DC, including The Question, Justice League International, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Arrow, Swamp Thing, Suicide Squad, Batman, and The Legion, you have put together a winning combination. Perhaps you should consider dropping the weakest feature and increase the Superman pages. Before this preview came in the mail, I wasn't sure a weekly series could work in the comics industry. However, with this preview in my hands now, you've convinced me that now is the time and DC is the place. Good luck with this new venture, and again, thank you for making me part of it. Now, it's interesting that they are doing a poll. You know, there is a poll in these letters pages. They are asking people to write in with what their favorites are. But, uh... I'm not sure if that has anything to do with dropping uh, a story. I mean, w you know, sitting here in 2019, we know that this experiment only ran for, you know, 42 weeks or 43 weeks, including the skip week. But, uh, you know, th this, for all, 
for all the people of 1988 thought this could have been, you know, we could be on Action Comics Weekly issue uh, 1500 by now or whatever the, uh, whatever it would have been had this continued into the present day. Um, it's interesting that the idea of dropping the weakest feature is something that we're going to hear a lot in these letters pages because I think they, they were figuring that these polls were going to they were going to inform what Action Comics Weekly was going to look like looking fo- moving forward. And uh, the idea of exp- expanding the Superman part, uh, it's interesting because uh, the two-page Superman story, uh, I'm not really a fan of it. Um, if you've read any of the uh, the pieces over at the blog, I, I don't assume anybody reads the blog, but uh, if you do, I-, I appreciate it. And if you do, you know that I am... Uh, the two-page Superman strip is... It's just not the not the greatest thing in the world, unfortunately. At least up to the point that we've gotten to thus far. Uh, now that ends Jody's letter. Let's move on to the next one. And this one is written by a Richard. And this is a long one. He says, Dear Mike, I've always wondered how the writers of letters that appear in the early issues of new titles were able to comment on something that hadn't been printed yet. The answer is the preview copy, of course. I'm both surprised and honored that you selected me as a previewer for the new Action Comics Weekly. And I just think it's something that uh, is kind of lost on us today, that, uh, you know, these people were mailed uh, photostats of a book, you know, where now, I think you say three nice things about DC, they throw you on their comps list, <laughs> and, you're, uh, and you're sent preview copies a week in advance to, uh, to review and spoil the very day the book comes out. Um, <laughs> It's a different world for sure. Uh, back to the letter here. Richard says, The format is reminiscent of the adventure dollar comics of the late 1970s, a rotating variety of separate sto- series in each issue of Action Comics Weekly with an occasional four-part showcase tryout is a good concept. I'd like to continue to see Superman team-ups, at least occasionally, and perhaps you could intertwine several of the separate features into one unified storyline once in a while. Well, that's going to happen. the uh, The last part, anyway. They, they, these, the, there will be a little bit of a uh, cohesive story. Uh, there's going to be the crash of '88 uh, that'll that we'll be doing in like 30 weeks, and uh, there's also the uh, the final issue, uh, 642, and of course, uh, Green Lantern: Legend of the uh, Green Flame, that uh, will wrap up the Action Comics Weekly coverage, and it does kind of bring everybody together. Everybody makes a, a little appearance there. I, I do like uh, the idea here where uh, yeah, Superman, uh, the Superman team-up book was DC Com- DC Comics Presents, but when that went away, uh, the, the team-up moved into Action Comics. Uh, after uh, the Man of Steel, John Byrne deal, um, the Action Comics turned into the team-up book, and it was from, uh, I think it was 583 through issue 599. And then uh, issue 600 was the big anniversary story, or the, the big anniversary issue, I should say. And then 601 started this new venture here with the weekly book, the anthology. Now back to Richard's letter here. He says, now this is a great line here. I'm glad you didn't restart Action Comics Weekly with a number one. I feel the maintained numbering of the total, 601, maintains an important tie to DC's roots. Yeah, Richard. <laughs> your word to, your, your mouth to God's ears there, buddy. Um, he continues, eight pages really isn't enough space to tell a story in. But since this will be a weekly title, I think it'll work. 
However, the, the comic will be a terrible strain on my pocketbook. Do you realize Action Comics Weekly will cost me $6 every month? Oh, uh, Richard, uh, it's actually going to cost you $7.50 every uh, three or four months, too. So uh, it's, a, it's a pricey book to follow, especially when books other books at this time were coming out at $0.75. Cents. So uh, Action Comics Weekly was... Definitely a, uh, a monetary commitment <laughs> at the time. Uh, back to the letter. I have never read Wild Dog before. Moral Stand was an interesting story with an interesting character. While I agree that with his apparent viewpoint that terrorists and professional killers should be eliminated instead of being treated like reformable, misguided children, Wild Dog's methods jeopardize the innocent victims he should be protecting. Hence the law will forever be after him as a vigilante. Now, if you read that, uh, the first, uh, the first featurette of, a, a wild dog in Action Comics Weekly 601, he, uh, breaks into a, uh, town hall, a meeting, or a city hall meeting, one or the other, where a terrorist had taken over the podium, and, uh, wild dog runs in there, guns blazing. <laughs> He's just, uh, just, just firing hundreds of bullets. Uh, you know, action, action hero or action hero style there. Uh, so yeah, there is a, there is definitely a, uh, a bit of a uh, problematic nature to uh, <laughs> Wild Dog's methodology. Uh, back to Richard's letter here. He says, "I liked the Secret Six when they first appeared in the '60s, but I had to read Listening to the Mockingbird, which was the name of the story, three times." and review my Secret Six Who's Who entry before I finally grasped the plot. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> I had to read that one a few times myself, and I'm pretty sure I even uh, mentioned that in my review, that it was uh, it was written just so uh, obtusely, where we had these characters, we had uh, two different groups of characters, and none of them were really introduced all that well, and we didn't know what was when and where we were and who was what. It was just a... Uh, Kind of a mess that first uh, that first chapter of Secret Six, but uh, the uh, it, it definitely in the you know five weeks we've had uh, we've gone past that it, it's gotten a lot more easy to follow. But that first one was really rough. Um, continuing with Richard's letter, he says, apparently the old and ailing original Secret Sixers are gathering at Carlo Dorenzi's Enchanted Forest for another reunion. Meanwhile, the Mockingbird is out recruiting members for a new Secret Six, including a blind man, a deaf man, and a man confined to a wheelchair. But this Mockingbird, is he the original or someone new? What are his plans for the new group? Is Technodyne his target? Will the old Secret Six be maneuvered into, into a confrontation with the new, or will they go after the new group on their own? A very, very interesting plot is developing here. Martin Pascoe's story is the best of the six, I'm not sure I'd call it the best, but it it definitely is, uh, it's strong going on. It's strong from that first part. Uh, the first issue was, uh, like I mentioned, was very confusing for me. But uh, moving forward from that, it's uh, it's become a highlight of the week. It's, it's a lot of fun to follow that one. And uh, a lot of uh, Richard's questions here will be answered in the, in the first stint for The Secret Six, so... There's that. Uh, he continues, Faster than a speeding bullet was, at only two pages, shorter than a shrinking atom. Although short, it was a good Superman story. I disagree. It was uh, it was Superman jumping in front of bullets, and that was basically it. 
Uh, so he continues to say, Dead Man is a fascinating character, but his story didn't become interesting until page 8, panel 8. Now, the Dead Man feature ended with a, uh, with a soldier named Major Kasaba being able to see him. And uh, Richard is dead on. That was, <laughs> that was when uh, the Dead Man feature uh, became interesting to me as well. He continues, I've never been a Blackhawk fan. As far as comics go, my interests generally lie with superheroes and Star Trek. But Another Fine War seems like an entertaining uh, dialogue, pages 6 and 8, beginning to a potentially interesting story. Now, Black Hook, if you're following along, has been like my Dark Horse uh, pick uh, for Action Comics Weekly. I've really been enjoying it, and I was not expecting to. I thought it was going to be like a Grin and Barrett sort of a situation with with Black Hook. I thought it was just going to be, okay, let's get through this for completionist's sake... But uh, it, it it captured me right away. I thought it's uh, thought it was. I I've actually been voting for it in my own poll for the past few weeks. It's been my favorite story in Action Comics Weekly. So uh, uh, I I think it's I think he's dead on here. It's a it's a very interesting story and uh, it's entertaining as well. Now he continues and says uh, it's hard to make any comment about the artwork from a preview copy. Although I can say I like the art in the Superman story best of all. Well, that is, of course, Kurt Swan, and uh, he is pretty fantastic. He uh, concludes his letter with, Action Comics Weekly is an innovative idea. Experimentation like this, and like Millennium, will, I feel, keep DC ahead of the pack. I wish you much success. Wow. Action Comics Weekly lumped in with Millennium. Okay, Richard. Uh, <laughs> you can hear all of our thoughts on Millennium on... Uh, on that weird comics history from a few years ago. It's, uh, it's something. Our next letter is from a, a Ron, and he says, Dear Mr. Gold, thank you very much for the privilege of previewing Action Comics Weekly number 601. When I first read that DC was going to attempt a weekly series, I looked forward to it with anticipation. Imagine my thrill when I was chosen to be one of the lucky few to have a sneak peek at the project. The DC Universe is an exciting place, and its variety, we have, the, we have characters that range from cavemen to spacemen. The vast majority of all DC characters are worthy of their, series being to- their stories being told. Unfortunately, economic steps in, and DC cannot afford to invest money in a series or miniseries with a character that may not have the selling power of Batman and Superman. The past team-up titles, Action Comics and Brave and the Bold, were an attempt at utilizing unemployed characters but with limited critical and financial success. What I see in Action Comics Weekly is the possible outlet for our favorite yet underworked DC personalities. These possibilities are the strength in Action Comics Weekly. Please use it. Now, uh, Ron is just dead on here because uh, it's funny. I in, in announcing that I was going to be shifting focus to covering Action Comics Weekly... I received some feedback with uh, folks saying that, you know, they really love the secondary characters here. You know, like the Blackhawks, the Deadman, um, Secret Six, uh, going forward, you know, Black Canary and Hero Hotline. All, all like the uh, the non-main eventers, basically. And uh, the funny thing is, though, uh, those, are, those second stringers are my least viewed posts on the blog, so what are you going to do? But I, I definitely feel like... This is the strength of Action Comics Weekly is utilizing these characters that you, that that you really wouldn't see. Uh, I mean, you wouldn't see a, a Dead Man ongoing series at this point. 
Um, Blackhawk, he, he'll get an ongoing series, a short-lived ongoing series following this, but uh, maybe not so much right now. I mean, it's... Um, and Wild Dog, of course. <laughs> Wild Dog, uh, I think Wild Dog, the eight-page anthology format is probably the perfect format for Wild Dog. I think that's uh, where he's best utilized. He doesn't overstay his welcome, and uh, you get some good action, you get some good drama. I think that's what served him best is these eight-pagers here. But uh, definitely right on with Ron there. Uh, this The strength of this book is in the uh, the, the rotating features with... Uh, the, the, the rotating showcase features, I should say. Now, our final letter comes to us from uh, Jim. And uh, thanks for sticking around if you have thus far. <laughs> now, Jim says, Dear Mr. Gold, thank you ever so much for the advanced copy of Action Comics Weekly. I've been wanting to receive a preview issue of a title ever since I began writing letters to these letters calls, and thanks to you, my wish has been granted. I may not be in the letter-writing class of Maple, Pickens, and their ilk, but I try my best. Now, Maple is uh, T.M. Maple, the Mad Maple. Uh, if you picked up a DC comic from, boy, the mid-70s to the mid-80s, chances are there was a letter, a very long letter, from the Mad Maple in it. Uh, I don't know who Pickens is. Uh, I, I know there was a, also an Uncle Elvis who did a lot of letter-writing. And, of course, Bo, uh, Bo Smith, who, uh, who did... A lot of letter writing himself as well. But uh, uh, Jim uh, doesn't think he's in their ilk, but he's going to do his best, and we'll continue his letter here. For some reason, the last issue of Green Lantern Corps has been delayed, so some of the things presented here in the Green Lantern series come somewhat as a surprise. But those are peanuts compared to the brutal death of the, luck the lovely Katma. Not only not, now that's not only a big surprise, but it also a sh it's also a shocking one. Poor John. I just hope it's not for nothing. Now, uh, Green Lantern Corps ended kind of with a whimper. Um, Steve Englehart and uh, uh, Joe Staten left the title before the last issue. Uh, the last issue was written by Joey Cavalieri, which, uh, I mean, he's uh, I guess he's good in a pinch, but uh, really uh, not a fitting end for the, uh, for the title. I, I mean, it was just procedural at that point. Um... A very, it's a story that should have a lot more emotion than it does. It just, it just feels like something's missing, and I, and that thing was probably Steve Englehart. Um, now, Katma, of course, the, the probably the biggest, the biggest takeaway from Action Comics Weekly number six hundred and one is the death of Katma Tui at the hands of Star Sapphire. Um, he hopes it wasn't for nothing. It's well, it's going to facilitate some stories in Action Comics Weekly, and. Uh, Maybe haunt John Stewart a bit, but uh, it it does seem kind of uh, wasteful to uh, to offer like that. Um, I was talking to a, a friend and a fellow blogger who said that in that one eight page story, they ruined two female characters. They made one irredeemable, and they took one off the map altogether. I'm pretty sure Katma has come back, uh, if only recently. Um, but really, don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. Uh, the the Lantern Corps. I mean, there is just there, we have an embarrassment of riches in the uh, Green Lantern Corps now. There are just so many of them. Um, back to uh, Jim's letter. He says, "I enjoyed the work Steve Englehart and the various artists did with Green Lantern Corps. I was very upset to see the wonderful series canceled. Even though I will miss Steve and his seven Earthbound Green Lanterns, Jim Owsley has provided an interesting enough first chapter for me to remain quiet for the moment." Now on to the next one here, he says, 
Wild Dog is well suited for this type of format. I agree. He goes on to say, The character would fit well in the newspaper comic section. I enjoyed the miniseries, and I think this unique hero will thrive well in action. Agree 100%. Um, Wild Dog, uh, a a long story for him (laughs) would uh, be a disservice. So these short bursts, um, especially since the, uh, the mystery... Uh, of the miniseries was uh, solved in that last issue. If you haven't read the Wild Dog miniseries, I, I recommend you do so, especially if you're planning on following along with Action Comics Weekly here, because uh, the first three and a half issues of that miniseries, we don't know who Wild Dog is. We're given four characters who Wild Dog might be, and it isn't revealed until the very end. And uh, if you pick up 601, it's going to show who it is right away. So, uh, but if you are interested in not having that spoiled, definitely check out the uh, the Wild Dog Mini. Uh, I covered all four issues on the blog, and I don't spoil it until the very end, too. So if you want to follow that way, that's, that's an avenue as well. Uh, back to Jim's letter, he says, The Secret Six is not familiar to me, but I definitely want to see more of this. The first page drew my interest, hook, line, and sinker right off the bat. This group seems to be a cross between the Challengers of the Unknown and Checkmate. This combination should give us some great storylines. Now, it's funny that that, uh, that Jim mentions the challenges because the costumes that they wear on the cover of 601, it almost feels like it could be a, a mix of uh, challengers and checkmate. It's uh, that, that, that costume, uh, that uniform, just doesn't really scream Secret Six to me. Uh, but it, it's funny that that's mentioned. Back to the letter. The Superman two-pager is the problem for me. I just can't seem to get into it for some reason. It's way too short for my tastes. I would suggest removing Superman from these pages and reinstating the team-ups once again. A team-up book would be much more appreciated than the two-pager. Uh, I agree. I agree. Uh, the the two-pager is... It, it's, it seems like it's just filling pages. It's just a way to say that there are six stories in every issue rather than five. Um, it's it's really uh, been a letdown so far. And, uh, you know, team-up books, they, they don't always sell well, but I think in the post-crisis here, in the post-Man of Steel landscape we're on here, having Superman this new, you know, post-Man of Steel Superman meet up with some post-crisis DC characters might be interesting. It might be a, might actually be a good way to reintroduce some uh, long-dormant uh, properties uh, instead of trying to give them their own feature, their own mini. Just having them team up with Superman for an issue or two might be uh, just the ticket to get, uh, to get them a little bit of play. Now back to uh, Jim's letter. He says, I am also familiar with the dead man. But again, the story is good and demands further attention. I hope we'll get an opportunity to see the Phantom Stranger, uh, Dr. Fate, and Zatanna guest star in future issues. Well, Phantom Stranger will be getting his own feature. He'll be popping in and out of Action Comics Weekly throughout the entire run. Um, and I, I can't speak for Dr. Fate as Zatanna as far as uh, guest appearances, because I've never read the Dead Man story all the way through before. So uh, I'm interested to see that as well, see how that goes. Uh, the letter continues, I found the recent Blackhawk miniseries to be confusing and difficult to read, but he looks great here. I could learn to like the guy within these pages. Now, I'm not sure if that uh, miniseries he's discussing is the Howard Chaikin Prestige Format book, 
which uh, I'll admit I, I, I own and I've tried to read uh, several times and never really get that far into it. Uh, it's uh, Howard Chaikin is kind of hot and cold with me. Sometimes he, uh, sometimes I'm able just to pick up a Chaikin book and just fall in love with it, and other times it's just like, nope. <laughs> I just can't do it. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the book he's talking about here, but uh, if so, I I, I agree. Uh, Back to the letter. As for your other series, I'll certainly be looking forward to reading Black Canary, Nightwing, and The Phantom Stranger. I'm glad to hear Green Lantern will be reuniting with Green Arrow, and that Nightwing will be teaming up with Speedy. But I find it very disturbing to hear that Black Canary will be destroying her new costume. I think her new costume is beautiful, and much better than her old one. In fact, in my opinion, of all the heroine costumes, I think the Canaries is the most visually striking one. So please, I beg of you, do not change her costume. Let her keep her new costume. You don't want to make the same mistake Marvel did with Wonder Man in the West Coast Avengers, do you? Uh, I I don't remember what that is, but uh, in fact, she will... um, she will destroy her new costume. Her, her, on the uh, on the cover of Action Comics Weekly 609, I believe, she's uh, in her old duds and she's lighting her new costume, her uh, 80s costume, on fire there. And uh, I disagree with Jim here. I think that her classic costume is far better, far superior than the uh, than the jazzercise one <laughs> from the, uh, the Justice League. Uh, back to the story, back to the letter here. Before you make a rotation of any sort, I assume you'll finish the current storyline of a particular series and not leave us waiting until the next time around to read the next chapter, right? What I'm saying is, if a series has eight chapters, that will that series in question run eight weeks before another series replaces it in rotation? That's a good question, because I don't know if that's ever been made clear up to this point, um, where you could get four parts of an eight-part story and then get a couple weeks break, and then another four parts to wrap it up. Um, Mike Gold will answer that at the end of this letter. Uh, Now Jim closes by saying, in closing, This is quite an undertaking for both you at DC and for us, the readers. For you, the weekly schedule places a strain on your creativity, and for us, it puts a considerable strain financially. But if you can continue to give us intriguing and entertaining storylines week after week, I am sure we can tighten our belts a little to support you. I hope my letter proved worthy of the honor you've bestowed upon me. Good luck in this venture. Now that's uh, Jim's letter, and uh, he does get a response from Mike Gold, and he says, Doing ACW is no tougher than doing about eight separate comics a month, Jim, which is why we've got eight different editors working on the series. And yes, we will complete an entire storyline before a specific series goes on hiatus, which is definitely for the best. Now that wraps up our first look at all the letters that came in from the preview uh, photostats of Action Comics Weekly 601. These are the hot takes, you know. There is uh, The only context we have is what they have in front of them. They don't know what's to come. Uh, they don't know if this can go on for 42 weeks or if it'll go on for 42 years or 42 days. They don't know. So uh, what we do see here is a lot of excited people, but... Uh, I do question <laughs> whether or not they're more excited to be part of the process or legitimately excited for uh, for this series uh, going forward. I, that might just be the cynic in me speaking. Um, that'll do it for this little segment here. I, I hope you enjoyed it. I, I 
it's just something I've really wanted to do for a little while. And uh, I, I think doing this moving forward uh, every so often with uh, maybe having guests on and getting their hot take on a specific uh, issue or a specific event or announcement, uh, maybe polling on social media to get other people's, if they can remember what they thought when something happened. Um, and then, of course, going through other letters pages, going through uh, old Usenet posts. Uh, I, I just really appreciate the... Uh, just the uh, the <laughs> the embarrassment of riches we have with the internet, where we just have so much information going back for such a long time, and uh, and I think that uh, our opinions before they're informed are are somewhat uh, clearly they're not as valuable as they are after they're informed, but I think they're more they might be just as if not more interesting. <laughs> To discuss, um, and and I, I've got some of my own to share too. So uh, when we get to into more into my wheelhouse, I'll be sharing some of my hot takes as well. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this, and uh, that'll do it for now. Now, if you're still listening at this point, I owe you a uh, big debt of gratitude. Thank you so so much for sticking around for such a long episode and uh, through our experimental uh, new segment. There, I hope. Uh, Hope you folks enjoyed it. Uh, if you have any ideas for that segment, definitely uh, drop me a line. Drop us a line here over at uh, weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. Uh, you can uh, visit us at chrisandreggie.com, chrisandreggie.podbean.com, all those aggregation sites. We do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash chrisandreggie. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or everywhere you can find us. That's where we're going to be. If you uh, want to visit the uh, the site that this name is uh, this show is named after, it's easy for me to say. That is chrisoninfiniteearths.com. And while you're there, if uh, if there's a book you'd like to hear me discuss, definitely drop me a line. And if there's a book that you'd like to come on and discuss with me, drop me a line as well. We'll see what we can figure out. And I think that'll uh, that'll finally do it for now. So long for now. See ya. <laughs>